Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Listen to These Nerds. This is our Pacific City Heroes campaign being done in the Sentinels RPG comic system. Uh, my name is Harry, and I will be the GM for this evening. Uh, going down the Discord call, we have... Hi, my name is Chris, and I will be playing the role of Carsonon. Hi, I'm Joe, and I'll be playing the role of Brandon Hart, otherwise known as Mr. Medium. Hi, I'm John, and I will be playing Epimethea. And I'm Jonathan, and I'm going to be playing Evelyn Kinglet, a.k.a. the Pelicanetic. All right, so uh, this session is going to start off pretty much right on the heels of the one we did the last time. So Mr. Medium has just, what was it? Did you German suplex or pile drive him? I can't remember. Uh, let's just say he's hurt. Yeah, he's, he's not having a good time. So the mad chemist is dealt with. Uh, his factory has been shut. His factory and the chemical building has been shut down. And as you tie up the animalist and um, the mad chemist, uh, you come outside to find a uh, bunch of cops that have already arrived. And they seem to be talking to the tailmen. And then all of a sudden the tailmen like look over, see you, and they kind of go like, Yeah, yeah, see, just as we said. Uh, uh, Mr. Medium looks back and forth. Well, seems like you did your due diligence. And he reaches into his uh, jacket and pulls out a stack of bills and hands it to them. Ah, sure, sure. Very good. Uh, uh, Mr. Medium, a quick question. Can you provide code for a website? Very good for uh, business if we have uh, reliable customer testimony. And one of the tailmen reaches into, like, a pocket and pulls out, like, a tape recorder. <laughs> hey there! I'm Mr. Medium, and this is my favorite uh, detective <laughs> slash... Security fixer. consulting company. <laughs> Yeah, that! <laughs> so he, like, stops the recording, puts on a pair of earbuds, listens to it, and then he just goes, like, gives the okay sign, and the, like, the head tail guy is like, ah, yes, yeah, very good. Yeah, we believe um, they can take it from here. And they kind of, like, just grab Horlogia, which they've sort of tied up, and just kind of, like, haul him over towards where the cops are and drop him. And as they're about to, like, head out, uh, they go, oh, yeah, one more thing. Uh, show. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, the tailmen comes over with a smartphone and hands it over to the lead one who shows it to you and says, yeah, The car that left here, we weren't able to get a good look at the driver, but uh, this should help, no? And he shows they actually got a couple of photos of the car as it was leaving the facility. That And it has like a license plate and at least a make and model, but they can't really see anything about the driver. Uh, do we give this to you or to uh, them? He says, pointing to, like, the cops and animal control that have shown up. Uh, Mr. Medium looks back towards the other two. <laughs> uh, I guess the other three. Four? Yes, four. <laughs> I mean, so Gene's kind of like, so Station's like, uh, we don't have a way of tracking license plates, do we? Hey, you'd know better than I do. Um. <laughs> Gene sends a quick message to Epimethia, do we, question mark? Uh, yeah, through through text, uh, uh, y you get a reply. Yeah, yeah, we can actually do that. Oh, well, uh, we'll take it from here then, Gene says. And he sort of, like, goes over and writes down the license plate. So the cops are, like, go in. They basically, like, realize, oh, there's some wild animals here. So animal control shows up uh, a bit soon after. They get Stompy out of there. Uh, they get the Croco-Wolves and the... the uh... Crocodogs and the, what was it, Gator Wolf? The Dire Gator Wolf? Uh, so it is a Dire Crocowolf and Lizard Hound. Ah, yes. Mm. So they managed to get those out of there. They're a bit feisty, but some of them are a bit feisty, but others are a bit more, uh, shall we say? Yeah, they're they're a bit more willing to go with this and not get uh, knocked out of them. As they're loading the Mad Chemist into, like, the back of one of the cars, he sort of, like, slowly begins to, like, recompose himself from the absolute pounding you got, and you start to hear him go like, Oh, uh, you think you've won, heroes? But you'll rue the day that you catch the mad chemist! I swear on my- And they shut the door. You can't hear him, but you can still see him monologuing inside the car. Ah, uh, you know, it's the little things in life that make you enjoy superheroing. <laughs> I'm just glad that elephant's okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, the animal could like one like someone from the zoo has shown up like, oh, Stompy. Oh, what are they done to you? Oh, no. <laughs> Come on, girl. We're going to get you back into a nice pen. Yeah. Um. So how's uh, how's Stompy looking? 
Stompy's actually pretty alright. I don't remember them taking, like, a significant amount of damage. Mostly it just seems like they're, like, the, uh, Stompy just seems a bit out of it. Like, it was okay. very anxious, and the zookeeper manages to, like, calm them down. You think maybe it's some sort of side effect of whatever the animalist did to them. Hmm, okay then. Well, so long as Stompy's okay, I'm happy. But yeah, uh, so the cops take a statement, basically. The cops more or less, like, throw some cuffs on the mad chemist and the animalist, throw them into the back of some cars and head peel out, and once animal control has the animals, uh, they also leave. Uh, the tailmen, seeing that their job is done and that they've paid, all pile into the, like, lada that they came in, and then take off to the sound of, like, ever-quieting hard base. Mm-hmm. Perfect. And that kind of just leaves you guys uh, sort of at the entrance. Well, good job, team. I think uh, we've done a solid bit of work today. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Oh, you can see Gene is kind of like nursing the area where that dire crocowolf bit into him on his side. He's like, oh, that's going to bruise. But uh, yeah, yeah, I we say could... we go get something to drink. <laughs> I could use a cold one if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Hey, I actually know a place uh, not too far from here. They've got really good tater tots. Ooh, okay. Well, any objections? <laughs> I'm good with tots. Uh, hey, Epimethea, maybe let Delphi know where we're going if she wants to join up with us, since, you know, you can't really eat and all that. Uh, yes, I will re return to, to my sanctum and... Uh, pass the message along to Delphi, and yeah, uh, yeah, Epimethea will will float away. I have to go. Here. My planet needs to be. Yeah, T-Pose is out of the screen. <laughs> Epimethea floats because all the thrusters for her armor are under her arms, so she just T-poses everywhere to get around. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> that sounds uh, really defensive, John. Well, if you think about it, Superman is kind of is is, is weirdly eye posing sometimes. Hmm. Very true. <laughs> All right. So yeah, uh, there is a place uh, not too far away. Jonathan, uh, did you have anything about this beyond having good tater tots, or should I? Do you want to take over from here? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So this is like an industrial part of town, but one of the nice things about industrial parts of town is. Uh, zoning tends to be a little lenient, so you get all these little bars that pop up on the fringes that, that have a lot of real estate. So this place is called The Lodge. Uh, the kind of going urban legend is that it used to be a Masonic Lodge, uh, and they've got stuff going on in the basement. But that's that's mostly hearsay, probably. Anyways, mm -hmm. they've got not only very good tater tots, but tachos, which are nachos, but with tater tots oh. instead of tortilla chips. Um, and so Evelyn comes here a lot because <laughs> she loves tachos. Yes. And I imagine being like, you know, in an industrial zone, they're pretty loose about what sort of clothing people come in with. And so they don't bat too much of an eye at people coming in in full superhero costumes. Oh, yeah. In the middle of the day on like, what is this, a weekday? They're just happy to have uh, four or five paying customers walk in, you know? Yeah. So yeah, uh, I'll say that. Uh, so we do go to the. So we head. Oh, so we all head over to this place. We get a table for five, and we kind of wait around until Delphi shows up, who I assume shows up reasonably soon after. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when Delphi arrives, we have already gotten a pitcher of whatever beer special they have on tap. That's cheap. Uh, hey, Delphi, over here. Yeah, uh, she'll come over sit down sweet okay um yeah as soon as um jonathan has the server come by yet or are we just oh, yeah, like... yeah yeah they're very prompt okay awesome yeah i as soon as we sat down i've never had tachos before in character but as soon as you've told me i imagine that i immediately grabbed enough for the whole table Question, does Carsonon's mask have the ability to, like, flip out <laughs> on the mouth like Jeans does? No, no, it doesn't. We've we, we established this previously. The only thing the button on the side of his mouth does is uh, is change the expression on his LED face. Right. <laughs> Mr. Medium can pull his mask up over his face. Yeah. So, yeah, so he only has a face mask. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm imagining that Carson's still able to eat. It's just now his helmet looks really doofy because it's like pulled up just enough so that he can get stuff into his mouth. Yeah. 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 Well. Mr. Mr. Medium is doing the Spider-Man. Mm. The the like pull it up far enough you can see just the mouth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Classic. Uh, another design modification that I gotta speak to the guy about. Oh, you know, it's not so bad. <laughs> there aren't any cameras in here or anything. Yeah, you, you know, you you could just wear a secondary mask under your mask, right? Oh, double Someone mask. Says says like taking down her face concealing hood and showing that she is also wearing like a domino style mask underneath. Wow, you really are prepared for anything, huh? No, well, that's Delphi for you. <laughs> yeah, so hey, that that wasn't actually that bad. Uh, I was expecting things to be a little more hairy with a, a, a name like the Mad Chemist. You know, we got out, no no chemical burns, no caustic spills, nothing like that. No big oh, explosions. Yeah. None of you got that metal shit on you, right? I don't know if we could easily take that off. Uh, no, I'm pretty clean regarding that. Oh. But yeah, I don't know what to say. Anyways, uh, Rookie, good job. You handled yourself pretty well, all things considered. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah appreciate it. Um, I gotta say, I was a little nervous going in, but I'm uh, feeling pretty great now. It's good to be part of a team. Yeah. Have we gotten our drinks yet? Oh yeah, there's there's a pitcher already on station, basically. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna hold a glass up, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna raise in the air. A moment of celebration for our newest team member and their successful first takedown of a major supervillain. Oh, wow. Uh, cheers. Yeah. Kanpai. Yep. And yep. Oh, glasses yeah. <laughs> glasses go clink. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, I'll assume that there's a bit of merriment to be had. Uh, mm -hmm. Generally, sort of like, you know, like fun reminiscing of things. The occasional comparison of, okay, who got the most injured sort of thing. Mm -hmm. before we all sort of like retire for the night and go our separate ways. Mm. So the next day, uh, um, there is, Oh yes. Yeah. So, uh, um, Delphi will actually, uh, before, uh, the pelicanetic leaves say, Hey, um, uh, if you could stop by early tomorrow, um, I've got some stuff to, to set you up with now that you're, you know, Oh, sure. Tried okay. and proven. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I can come in around nine. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I'll, I'll see you then. So, in, right. unless something happens before the the nine o'clock, uh, the only thing I'm going to say is that when you wake up, uh, basically there is like a news bulletin saying that um, uh, the seaside sentries are going to give a have a press conference uh, to discuss a certain happenings that have happened at the Chemex building uh, yesterday. I guess the uh, yesterday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so when, like, you all get a message from Gene being like, hey, do we want to watch the Seaside Sentries, like, have to admit we did their job for us? Because I'm looking forward to a bit of schadenfreude. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm see down. you all at the base. Somehow that voice comes across even, uh... <laughs> you got, you do... Oh, wait! You do... Oh, wait! I fell asleep in costume again! <laughs> Ooh, my neck! But yeah, I will My say that My bed that was not made for such a man! <laughs> so I will say that, uh, yeah, that happens probably, like, a bit later in the day, so nothing really happened. So unless somebody wants to come in super early, there's nothing to stop the Pelicanetic and Epimethea. Uh, sure. yeah. So whenever, uh, the Pelicanetic, uh, gets into the, the base, uh, Delphi is, uh, waiting there for her. Um, uh, Epimethea is nowhere to be seen. Um, All right. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was it that you wanted to set me up with? Um. Right. So. Um. I. Uh. Uh. First, here's a. Uh. Uh. Transmitter earbud. It will let you communicate with the rest of us. Uh. Wirelessly during. Oh yeah, I've seen you guys use this. That's so cool. Yeah. Um. Like a real secret agent. Yeah. Also. Um. He. She's going to like. Uh, hold out a hand. Uh, if you let me see your phone for a sec, I can uh, unlock some of the more uh, administrative functions, uh, give you access to more of our systems. Oh, sure. Right. Um, also, since you're uh, part of the team full now, uh, I figure I should tell you. Uh, so I'm actually Epimethea. The, uh, the, the giant statue is just kind of a robot suit. 
that I use. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, Jonathan, I will say this is something that you would know in character. Uh, so, where Epimethea, the statue, came from is apparently a Grecian temple was discovered outside, like, sort of on the outskirts of where Pacific City is located, which mm -hmm. obviously through the archaeology, uh, like the field of archaeology, completely for a loop. Uh, yes. And apparently after the discovery of the temple, Epimethea, the statue, awoke and is now patrolling Pacific City. Yeah. Wild. And yeah, so as far as everybody and yourself knows, you know, massive bronze statue brought to life by the gods, but uh, what uh, Delphi just said, the words robot suit stick out to you. Yeah, okay, I guess you've got a pretty rock solid secret identity, huh? Yeah, that, that was the plan. It just doesn't really work well for doing any of the other stuff I, I do to help support the team, like the whole sure. technology thing, hence the Delphi uh, identity on top of that. Wow. Um, but yeah, I also kind of handle the, the team's finances and stuff, so I know that you, um, you're the only other person who might need, like, lab equipment or anything if you need something. Um, oh, I've uh, got a bit of a lab set up at home, but, uh, you know, I could always use more resources. Yeah, I've got a workshop here, but it's mostly, uh, you know, uh, engineering stuff, working on things for the suit or things for the team. But uh, if you need the lab space here, uh, I can help get you set up. Um, oh, sure. Thanks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the phone should now be able to remote access our uh, the surveillance we've tapped into across the city. So if you need to, you know, check something out on the fly, you should be able to do that. Um uh, and yeah, if you just need anything, like I'm, I like, or if you need a new costume upgrade or something you need to, that you feel you need to pay for, for part of the team, like feel free to ask. I can, uh, get something together for you. Wow. Uh, carte blanche, huh? That's pretty fancy. I oh, mean, I just I mean, got this costume. Uh, I, it's not 100% carte blanche. Uh, the last time I I let the somebody else on the team use the team credit card, uh, they bought a bunch of unrelated objects. So I'm trying to do more of a, like, you bring your receipts and I pay you back kind of thing. But Oh, yeah, reimbursement model. That's what the universities always do. It makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Hey, wait, can we go back a step? Did you say something about a citywide surveillance network? I mean, it's more ha patching into the city's CCTV cameras and... Oh, uh, like scanners or something. Yeah, yeah, we're basically piggybacking off a lot of the already existing surveillance network. Mm. Um, that types up at this point. Oh, yes, you can also look at it here if you'd like. Though I'm usually a bit faster at that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Wow, this is quite a setup you folks have. I mean... No offense or anything, but just based on the the news and and stuff that I've heard from you, it, people treat you like like we're kind of a B team or a C team. But this is some high tech stuff. This is amazing. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, I I kind of got this stuff set up for mostly just my own when I was working solo. But um, you know, I figured uh, like it's probably better for everyone if I if I shared. You know. Right, of course. Well, I, I appreciate you taking me into your confidence. Mm -hmm. Neat. Well, I mean, you've done well in this last mission, and yeah, world can always. Holy leave. shit! Where'd you come from? <laughs> what? What? I've been here literally the entire time. Like, I am standing over by a fridge with like a pint of ice cream, like Ben and Jerry's, and a spoon, and I'm just <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I'm starting to take off the helmet, and now I'm looking at you with kind of a bit of an incredulous expression like so what you are you saying this place is nicer than my apartment epimethia <laughs> are you saying it's taken me this long for you to realize i've been here well the suit's pretty dark uh, you did kind of sneak up on us yeah at this point one of the uh the walls in the room opens up into what you can see pelicanetic is like a tunnel and gene comes in eating a burrito he goes ah oh, hey delphi carson on Hey. And, uh, oh, and then Gene realizes that you might not know about the tunnel system, and he goes, Oh! Uh, 
Thanks, Epimethea, for teleporting me in here! Oh, uh, I, I've I, been I, through I, the tunnels before. It's Don't okay. worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, no. She's had access to the to the tunnel to to the tunnels. I and I she's up to speed on everything now. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank God! You have no idea how hard it was for me to keep that secret. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I'm bad at lying, Cass. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I, I figured I, you know, bring her in, bring her up to speed. Um, she's kind of proved herself in the field. Hmm numerous times so yeah and we don't have the harpy here pushing to make it a weird initiation thing go off so yeah i really or you folks hazing for a while uh just more once. like yeah just once and we all kind of look at carson on <laughs> yeah i will say this um everything that you've gone through a lot easier than what i had to go through to get on this team just uh you know wait and you said the harpy was doing hazing for you yeah i'm glad i missed that it honestly, well, I don't know. Hey, Carsonon, how bad was that stack of dishes that uh, Darian made you do? At this, I'm just, yeah, like, uh, you can hear a small squeak of leather as my gloved grip on my spoon just tightens. And I'm just, listen, uh, if you want to know something, the harpy wasn't the worst part about the hazen period. You want to know what the worst thing was, you talk to Darian about that. All right. Well, next time we see her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wherever, yeah, wherever she may be. All right. So, uh, yeah. So you guys are kind of just milling around the base. I'm assuming, Pelicanetic, you check out the, um, like, the lab just to see what sort of things that you've got access to now that Epimetheus let you into the fold, as it were. Oh, for sure. There's yeah, also right. a small kitchen. There uh -huh. are many frozen food in the, foods in the freezer. And, Maybe? yeah, there is also a map as well of the city. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of... You know, things like, um, it's kind of like arranged, like, a like a corkboard style with a lot of, you know, um, notes and, uh, you know, photographs and things like that, uh, all posted up on it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a lot of staples of a superhero base. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Medium or Brandon, uh, whichever mode you may be in, feel free to show up whenever. As I'm yeah, assuming that ever Bra oh. Brandon, Brandon walks in. Yeah. As I assume hey, that everyone sort of gets food and gets comfortable to watch uh, the Seaside Century's press conference on the matter. Uh, uh, apologies, I came here. I'm still... looks down at his clothes, still wearing what I was wearing from yesterday, unfortunately. I was quite inebriated. That's <laughs> ah, fine. We've all had those days where we just don't want to get changed. It's all good, man. No judgment zone here. So, yeah. He, uh, he's oh, gonna, go he, he has a packed lunch he brought himself. <laughs> He's gonna sit down and uh, gingerly start eating. Yep. Gonna All open right. up a few bags of chips, get them into some bowls for everybody. All right. So the press conference begins. Uh, basically, this is a press conference that I'm assuming all of you having lived in Pacific City has seen before. Mm. It's usually like a united front of the Pacific of the Seaside Centuries. Uh, usually the person doing the talking is uh, Captain Cascadia, who has this sort of, like, nice, warm, friendly demeanor that just kind of, like, works well for handling questions from the media. Mm -hmm. You've got usually Steel Eagle and Cromag, Stan Cromag and uh, Vane, the weatherological wonder kid, who, that is his full title, and he will not let you forget it. <laughs> uh, usually, like, sort of standing behind, occasionally fielding questions, but for the most part, it's entirely sort of Captain Cascadia's show. Uh, for the most part, the questions are fairly boilerplate, like, oh, were you aware the Mad Chemist was planning something? Uh, did you, like, know exactly when his plan was going to be activated? And for the most part, like, Captain Cascadia gives what you'd ask for, like, the generic answers, like, the ones you'd expect to make it so that a superhero team doesn't lose face. You're not, it's kind of difficult to tell whether or not they're lying, just again, because Captain Cascadia has this kind of, you know, disarming manner about them that makes it very difficult, that makes it very difficult to think that he would actually lie to people. Uh, and so finally it comes to the question, uh, one of the reporters goes, uh, Pacific City Tribune, uh, is it true that the Mad Chemist was actually taken down by an unlicensed superhero team? Uh, particularly the team known as Torch. And with this, Captain Cascadia kind of smiles and says, while it is true that Torch was certainly instrumental in bringing down the Mad Chemist, and let us not discourage their bravery at facing down such a formidable foe, 
their rashness in their actions has caused our own investigation into the Mad Chemist's allies to suddenly fall apart as their main contributor is now in prison. So while we do uh, commend the Torch for their ingenuity and bravery, we ask that they leave such matters to professional superhero teams, lest these sort of missing investigations cause even further problems. Boo. <laughs> oh, yeah, what a crocket. Boo! Crocket. Are you fucking kidding me? I uh, get the feeling we get this treatment a lot. You couldn't, you couldn't, you, could, you, uh, might not have heard the ring valve, but from the, from the corner, you, what about you, bull? <laughs> I'm going to take Captain Hiskey to you, put him in a figure four until he's crying for his uncle. I mean, this is kind of our first press conference, um, Evelyn. So this isn't really a treatment we get a lot, but we were kind of hoping for something better than this. Oh, I see. That's not great. Yeah. Seriously? I mean, we got a pretty good... Uh, like press release after that core thing, but I still think that might be bullshit. Yeah, almost assuredly. So I will say, uh, all sort of like professional deflection aside, Epimethea, you do kind of realize to a certain extent that what they're saying is true. Like, you know, the mad chemist is a genius, but he's a chemist, chemical genius. And that factory was loaded to the brim with mechanical contraptions that would have required a lot of funding and a lot of knowledge to put together very quickly. So clearly someone was helping him, but mm. now you're not but you're not sure if the mad chemist would ever actually like reveal who that is. Hey, uh Karsanon, did you you were looking into the the Chemex stuff, right? Did you find anything about where he might have gotten that tank he was putting together? Uh, yeah, Harry, have, uh, has my research turned anything up regarding that, or am I still looking into it? You're looking into it, like, now that you're actually looking at all of the transactions and not just the one side of things, uh, it's starting to become, like, you're starting to see a lot of stuff, and yeah, there's, well, I will say, what you've basically discovered as a theme is there is a lot of money that is going into this. Like, none of these materials were cheap by any stretch of the imagination. The problem is, is that all of them are either being shipped piecemeal, which means that all their descriptions are like, uh, six hex nut bolt TC 105, like that sort of thing. And the other thing is that all of them are either coming from like independent shippers because they could buy the parts piecemeal and stuff that they couldn't do piecemeal is all being done through holding corporations. Yeah. I mean, it's taken me a while. I'll be able to find things out. It's just way more complicated than I expected it to be. But, uh, yeah, I'll let you know as soon as anything comes up. Hmm. All right. Uh, so with that, uh, the press conference pretty much ends shortly afterwards because nobody else has any questions and it sort of like then sags back into whatever programming that was going on. Basically it's kind of quiet for the next week during that time. Uh, Evelyn, you seek out, uh, the Ondori dojo to learn a bit more about where your powers come from and uh, meet some, well, I'm going to just call it the bird force from now on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I I, I guess uh, kind of going off of that, one thing that I wanted to do for Evelyn was restat her a little bit. Um, kind, of, kind of go through and, and re-choose a couple powers uh, based on the events of that, because uh, she kind of had a, a uh, for those of you who weren't there uh she communed with the bird spirit inside her and it told her to stop using gadgets to try and channel the bird aura and just meditate more hmm. yes the bird force is not particularly fond of technology yes so i'm going to change the flavor on one of my powers uh i'm going to get rid of the inventions power which was i got from my minion maker archetype and i'm instead going to take the new elemental power that i'm calling telekinesis Mm, excellent. Um, yes, and I'm, I'm going to switch out one of my yellow abilities and one of my red abilities, but uh, they're all, I'm not changing anything else mechanically about the character. All right. Uh, also, since this is kind of a, uh, a lull, this is probably a good time for us to spend uh, hero points, since I don't think we did that at the beginning of the session. I think okay. I, I have two on my sheet. Uh, mine has five after the end of the. Uh, oh, very nice. Five. So uh, there is the usual bonuses. Uh, I will mention the other uh, awards as well. Uh, the Probably the ones that are the most noticeable are the favors from a contact or the temporary ability or improvement, which basically either 
gives you a temporary ability or boosts one of your die sizes temporarily. Hmm. Hmm. I think I'm just gonna take a plus three and a plus two. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna do the same. Okay. Um, I'm gonna take a. F- how much? Sorry, how much is a favor? Uh, so the favors from the contacts are. Um, sorry, hold on. Let me just pull this up. Uh, uh, I've got it. Yeah. Um, so for one hero point, you can get a favor that uh, rolls as three d fours. Two points gives you a d four, d sixty eight. Uh, three is. D68, D10, uh, 4 is D8, D10, D12, and 5 points is a 3D12 roll Yeah, for and that, a single I'll, overcome I'll, attack or defend. I'll get yeah. a plus, I'll turn my plus 2 into um, into a favor from the Tail Boys. Okay! Or the Tail Men, sorry. The Tail Men, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, just in case you didn't catch that, Joey, the way it works is that as a reaction, you can take a free attack, defend, or overcome action, rolling those dice. Wait, so, yeah. how is that a favor from a contact, though? Yeah, the way that I fluffed it when I used it was like, oh, um, Ben gave me, like, information about how the Mad Chemist operation works so that I could take advantage of it. Mm. Like, it doesn't need, like, it could even just be that, like, you call up the Tailmen and they show up and do stuff. Or mm. it could be like, oh, they've heard something, and then you use that going forward. Okay. Also, uh, if you haven't already, you should add, uh, um, the uh, Heroes of Pacific City Volume Four uh, to your oh yes uh, your collections Intro to Chemistry oh yeah that's what it was called Intro to Chemistry there we go can you uh, tell me about the scaling for the uh, one time special ability uh, so for two hero points you gain a temporary red ability that you have the prerequisite of like power or quality for. For three, mm-hmm. uh, you upgrade one of your red abilities to a yellow ability. Uh, for oh, nice. four, you temporarily upgrade one of your yellow abilities to a green ability. And then for two points, you can increase a D6 power or quality to a D8. For three, you can increase a D8 to a D10. And for four, you can increase a D10 to a D12. For taking a temporary, uh, temporarily changing a, a red ability into a yellow ability, that was two hero points, is that right? That was three three okay i'm gonna take that and a plus two okay all right um so uh so yeah basically a week kind of rolls by in where uh evelyn seeks out the uh seeks out the training from the andori dojo and meets the bird force everybody else just kind of like sort of rests and recovers from the like whirlwind thing that was dealing with the mad chemist so uh it is at the end of the week sort of a brand new day uh wakes up and cassandra uh, you kind of wake up, you've had a bit of a rough sleep, you keep having this, like, you wouldn't really call it, like, a recurring dream, but it's more, but it's kind of that, where it's, where your body tries to, like, go, where it's you effectively going through the time machine, and then all of a sudden it feels like you're just falling, and all of a sudden you, like, wake up at some point. And it's not the worst thing, like, there are certainly worse nightmares to have, but it's happens enough that you feel uh, that it's, like, con- like interrupting your sleep, so you're a little bit groggy this morning. Mm. Yep. So, um, one thing that I kind of wanted to ask is, were you investigating um, the code base that you were able to get from Nat's um, pod, or was that something I misremembered? Yeah, no, um, I believe uh, specifically what happened was she investigated it enough to realize there was no, like, Trojan, like, sabotage programming. Right. For for Nat to be, like, to to basically let him in on the secret because he wasn't, like, he didn't have the parts to be to be remotely connected to, and he didn't have the, uh, the programming to go run off and tell somebody all of their secrets. Yeah, there was no, there was no traitor function you could find. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, so you kind of have been scanning, you've been having your system scanned through that, just to make sure that, you know, there's no lingering after effects you need to worry about. You did the quick pass-through, but obviously you're just kind of doing it now to make sure, like, well, what exactly is making Nat tick? And mm-hmm. uh, you wake up and you get a notification from your main computer that it has found a something that it can't access, which you find is weird because you don't remember Nat's programming having anything that was like, locked off to, like, a casual per, per lance. Okay. Yeah, she's gonna head in and, and take a look at this. Alright, so Nat's there, just kind of, like, 
kind of take sort of watching various sort of like, you know, PBS documentaries, seemingly trying to get like a crass course on various things. And she's like, oh, Cassandra, good to uh, good to see you. You're in early. Hmm. Yeah, um, I, I was just having my stuff do an Ahmed scan of your of that pod we found you in, and it found some sort of black boxed um, cone in it. I wanted to come take a look at it before, you know. Really? Well, mm. this is troubling. Um, would you mind if I join you? Uh, nope. Uh, I, I mean, you probably recognize something weird in your own code better than I would. Uh, though I will say that uh, Cassandra will quickly, uh, like, send off a text message to, um, um, probably actually to Carson on to say, um, uh, looking into a coding anomaly to do with Nat, um, don't think it's going to be a big thing, but just in case, uh, I, in case there's some secret, like, berserk function in there, maybe if you could swing by in a few minutes, that would be great. Yeah. Because... She knows, having researched Carson, that he has experience dealing with robots. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that if somebody was responsible for Nat's creation and included, you know, some sort of a HAL program in case, you know, somebody tinkers with him too much. Yeah, it makes sense. I'll be on. I'll be there in five. Okay. Yeah. So you pull up the coding and you follow through the various sort of like, as I said before, this is effectively spaghetti code that doesn't make sense that any human programmer would make. Hence the reason why you had your computer kind of scanned through it. Mm. And uh, yeah, sure enough, you find this like effective black box that you can't access. Uh, What you do notice about it is that it seems to be encrypted uh, and the encryption isn't based off of, like, entering a passcode, it's based off of a timer. Hmm. The timer was, like, looking at it because it's, like, set as, like, number of cycles. The, like, amount of time on it is gargantuan. Like, this would, like, it take took, obviously, about a month for it to get even close to the, uh, thing. It looks like it is due to tick over today, but not for another, like, you do a quick calculation in your head, not for another, like, six or seven hours. All right. Um, so having shown this to, to Nat, uh, she'll say, do you mind if I do a quick look at your system to see if this, uh, whatever this is, is in you as well as in the pod? Um, yes, by all means. This does look like it would be something that, like, and Nat sort of, like, looks through the code as well. It's like, yes, this would be something. Um, yeah, yes, yes, of course. Uh, what could this possibly be? And, like, Nat will sort of, like, you know, surrender themselves over to you to have take a look. Alright, do I need to make an overcome on this, or...? Uh, yeah, roll me an overcome. Alright. Alright, so that's uh, gonna be, um, lightning calculator, technology, and my status die. And, uh, do you want to use your principle? Because I've said before that Nat is... You are familiar with Nat because you have seen robots like that from your future. Yeah. Yeah, I will use my principle of the time traveler. Okay. Okay, so that's going to be a uh, seven. All right, so a success with a minor twist. What is the minor twist for your uh, Principle of the Time Traveler? Um, What detail of this era did you not previously know about? Okay, so going through Nat's systems, so what the way that I'm imagining you're doing this is you're looking at the code, you're realizing, okay, so this corresponds to, like, these pathways, because I... I the problem with trying to examine Nat's code is that it would be kind of akin to doing like brain surgery on something that's like uh, like like dissect a hard drive while it's running. It's not really all that easy. Mm-hmm. So the way that you're kind of doing this is you're looking at the code, realizing what physical systems correspond to stuff and trying to figure out like, okay, well, what does this do? And you manage to find that this seems to activate some sort of hardware within Nat. What that hardware is, however, is something you're not sure because it's clearly not active and thus you can't really figure out what it's trying to do. Again, Mm. you know that Nat doesn't have any like transceivers or receivers built into them. So whatever it is, it's not really like transmitting something or it's not like, you know, suddenly turning on a beacon for someone to find. But this hardware clearly activates some form of Nat's hardware that isn't being used right now. 
at the same time, this modification to these sort of things didn't exist in your timeline. So this is custom made. And as such, this is kind of like hindering your ability to understand what it is because you haven't seen it before. Okay. Um, can I like look into like, like look at Nat's physical like body and figure out where the component is at least? The component looks like it is lodged in Nat's chest. And you suddenly realize, taking, like, a better look at it, that it seems to have the ability to cause, like, the uh, torso to, like, expand a little bit. So you estimate it's some sort of, like, cavity that, like, activates and gets bigger, but what that cavity does, you're not sure. Is it, like, structurally, like... Is there a way I could remove it, or is it too, like, integrated to it is, remove it? It is like? built into NAT systems, unfortunately. Like, we're trying to remove it would be like, you'd have to remove the entire torso. Hmm. Okay. Well, um... And Nat's kind of just standing there like, so have you found something? Well, there's some sort of... I thought it might have just been a dead space in your design originally, but something about this, uh, this cavity here is going to maybe expand based on all the stuff around it. I'm not sure exactly what it's going to do, and I can't take it out without disassembling your entire torso. Mm, that would be unfortunate. Right. So then what should we do? Um, Maybe we take a little trip to the outskirts of the city before your timer goes off and make sure that you don't, you know. Mm, well, that does sound like a great idea. And then all of a sudden, your police scanner alarm in the base uh, goes off. Something is happening. Hmm. And would it be about this time that I come in through one of the tunnels? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay, so yeah, I come in, I hear the alarm, and I just slow to a halt for a sec before racing over to the scanner. So, hey, uh, something going on right now? Uh, uh, Nat goes over to one of the computers and types in some things. It looks like there's a lot of police activity congregating at the Pacific City Marina. Okay, well, uh, all right, any... Any specifics about what's going on, or...? Nat kind of, like, looks through, uh... Nat kind of starts looking through, like, transcripts and starts going, like, something about an animal? It seems the details are a little fuzzy, but they're setting up a cordon around the marina. So whatever it is, it must be serious. There also seems uh... to be calls for animal control. Okay, well, um... Jeez, so many animal-related stuff in so many days. Uh, all right, well, uh, yeah, let's get the rest of the team on the horn, let them know about it. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Cassandra's already hit hit the page all button to to like get everyone moving. All right. Cool. So yeah, everybody else, uh, you get a message on your phone basically saying like, "Hey, meet up at the marina. There is something that is going down." Yep. Okay. Also, um, uh, Cassandra will uh, hand a new clip of bullets to uh, to Carson on. Uh, hey, I. Hey been working on something new these aren't really based off your old tech but uh after the the fight with all those animals i figured you'd need a uh more a less harmful way to detain things so these are kind of like foam grenade bullets oh sweet okay yeah so i'm guessing a quick hardening foam that'll trap whatever's caught in them yeah yeah i've been working on it for a little while uh um just uh be careful with your rifle settings if you try and do that uh lightning bolt thing with them you're probably going to clog the inside of your gun got it yeah that makes sense all right well um looks like we might have an opportunity to try these out thank you so much mm -hmm. yeah right. and then uh cassandra goes to go get suited up okay yeah nat sort of was like i'll monitor the situation from here but if the lock begin if it's getting close to the lock uh i'll let you know where i am so you can meet up with me later sure sounds like a plan awesome thanks okay um yeah i'm gonna check are we meeting the team on route or are we gonna get everybody here before heading out together um was the pay is the page all a come to the base first thing or is the page all like meet at this location sort of thing um the the page all is uh basically will like send a uh I'll, I'll say that she's just sent like the location and some general information uh okay. to everyone so yes uh you will be meeting up at the marina 
And uh, unless somebody wants to do something um, before they get there, I assume that everyone kind of shows up at around the same time. Yeah, Mr. Media was out, the, the, out for lunch and just gets the bill and heads out. Yeah, Evelyn can fly over. Yeah. All right, so you guys all sort of convene on the marina, and immediately you kind of see the, the scene as it's laid out. So the marina uh, basically is kind of like... Um, Santa Monica, uh, the Santa Monica, sorry, it's not a marina, it's a pier. The Santa Monica pier, where it's like a pier that you could drive onto, theoretically, if you absolutely had to. And it looks like that the pier was hosting some sort of, like, food truck event, because you see, like, all sorts of little food stalls and food carts all along the length of the thing. Uh, what you also see is that half of the dock has clearly been evacuated by people. The other half of the dock has a bunch of people that are trapped, and in the middle of it is this gigantic thing. It is about as wide as a Volkswagen Beetle and about, you'd estimate, 30 to 40 feet long with this sort of like smooth-ish skin and these gigantic centipede legs that are sticking out of the side of it. And surrounding it is this gigantic pool of what you can only assume is some sort of slime? So as you get there, you can clearly see, like, the police have cordoned off the area, and there's animal control, and they're clearly flipping through, like, manuals looking for ways to deal with this. So, uh -huh. Evelyn, I'm going to say that having worked in the biology department of a university, you've kind of been privy to all sorts of, like, weird stuff that passes through that. You know, the occasional person pops into labs and goes, hey, you got to check this out, and then you see some sort of unusual specimen of biology. Yes, just as a short aside, me, Jonathan, the biologist, one of my first days in the lab, one of my lab mates popped his head in, in my, around my desk and was like, hey, do you want to see a sea lion autopsy? And then I got to watch a sea lion autopsy. <laughs> so that's totally a thing that happens. So yes, so as such, you've seen all variety of weird and mav, weird mav biological creatures. So you are probably more aware than anybody else of the team of what a hagfish looks like. Oh, God. And this oh. thing looks like a hagfish if you, like, made it gigantic and gave it centipede legs. Oh, wow. I don't like that at all. <laughs> so immediately, Evelyn, you are very aware that, oh, this is not going to be fun for anyone. No. Oh, no. <laughs> so much slime. Yeah. Uh... All right, so uh, I'm going to say, so as you can see, uh, sort of emergency Oh my god, surgery. that is a lot of slime. Yes. Uh, oh so my much... god. Oh my god. <laughs> this thing's going to drown a whole city block. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Epimethea, something that you notice immediately is this marina is fairly stable, um, but um, like it was not meant to have a gigantic hagfish secreting gallons and gallons of slime onto it and as such you're starting to see like the structure sag in certain areas Ew. so you realize that unless you kind of deal with this thing it might end up crushing the pier uh the fire department is on scene and it looks like that they're trying to figure out some sort of plan for how to get the people that are trapped on the other side of the pier like out of the pier and out of harm's way which is kind of stymied by the fact that even though it's low tide they can't really like drive their fire engines down the beach without them getting stuck how many people are stuck trapped you'd probably say probably maybe a couple like a hundred maybe 200 like it's a pretty sizable crowd a lot of people yes so i am just going to get the scene tracker up and running oh boy so, uh, I will say that from the various things that I've described, there are two um, there are two challenges that you are immediately aware of and their difficulties. The first is to save civilians, and the second is to unweight the pier. Hmm. And uh, I'm gonna say uh, I will pass off the first turn will go to Epimethea as she kind of sizes up the situation. Well, the good news is that slime is probably inert, if it is what I think it is. I mean, it's inert, but you've also never seen a hagfish with centipede legs, so... Y yes. Uh, Maybe don't drink any. What the heck is this thing? 
Johnny. Um, yeah, so I'm going to... Um, uh, yeah, so I am going to use my Principle of the Tactician. Okay. Uh, with, uh, so Inventions and Technology. Um, uh, so it's uh, Overcome, when you have a flashback to how you prepared for this exact situation, <laughs> use your Max Die. Um, Wait, I... Uh, sorry, I really want to know, like, the file that uh, Epimethia has in the base somewhere that's like, in case of giant hagfish attack. <laughs> uh, it's not in case of giant hagfish attack, but, um... Um, okay, so that's an eight. So, uh, the flashback panel is, uh, literally, like, a couple, like, a page ago, where, uh, Epimethia is handing over the bullets and said, uh, but it, it, like, continues a little bit further into the conversation. You can also use these to reinforce structures and uh, keep things from collapsing, like what happened in the bank. Uh, and then flashback to the uh, to the um, current uh, situation. Situation. Uh, Cassandra passes a whole bunch of um, of structural data from the pier uh, from her heads up to display into uh, Carsonons and says. Uh, uh, you should utilize your new weaponry granted to you, uh, by Delphi, uh, to protect, to keep the structure from falling apart. And then she, she will also fly off towards the, uh, towards where the civilians are. But, uh, yeah, that's an overcome for, uh, for the unweight here. All right. So yeah, Carsonon, you now have a, uh, so, and who are you passing to, John? Uh, passing to Carson on. All right. Okay, then. So, um, all right. So I am going to, uh, yeah, break away from the group, just run down the pier towards a spot where I can start. So, uh, Harry, when you say unweight the pier, um, I'm unfamiliar with that term exactly. So what unweight is just because I couldn't think of what the actual term for it is. But basically, you've got to find some way to keep the pier from collapsing. You just oh, I see. Keep the okay. from collapsing. Yeah. I'll Super make that edit. Okay, great. So I am going to look for areas where it looks like it's sagging, and I'm going to take one of these uh, bullets that Epimethea gave me, and I'm going to put in my rifle, take aim, and I'm going to see if this foam can, uh, you know, act like quick hardening concrete. Okay. Uh, so roll your overcome. Okay. So I imagine... Uh, let me just double check here so mm. oh yeah that's something you just realized now uh gene hasn't showed up yet oh. yeah i'm okay <laughs> so uh, all right so yeah i'm as i'm loading it man so uh once gene gets here he'll be able to and then i just think for a minute and i take a look at my phone and the fact that the call was sent out to anybody anybody know where gene is or, so sorry, as you're making uh, anybody know oh sorry uh let me rephrase that Anybody know where Station is? So as you're moving over to the pier, uh, you see someone, like, sort of break out from the crowd, and, uh, it's Gene. <laughs> okay, in civilian clothes? Yes. Oh, he was already here. Yeah. So he kind of, like, waves, so he kind of goes like, hey, and then he sends you a message, and then basically, uh, sends out, like, a, a group call to everybody, and he's like, uh, yeah, sorry guys, uh, kinda got here, but not really in a position to do a whole lot. Let me know if I can do anything, I just, you know, can't do anything flashy, lest someone maybe sees that I, me and Kiai are connected. Uh, I just type in save people. I'll do my best. Okay, um, alright. So I'll... yeah, so Gene, unless one of you guys wants to create a distraction so that he can get off the pier without people seeing him, uh, is basically limited to overcome actions using ki and uh, basically uh, like attacking things. Well, wait, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be to save civilians? Like overcome? Yes, that's what I mean by the oh, overcome. So action. that's what I mean by okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, I am going to uh, use one of my skills. Um, what was Kaboom, I have renamed to Arsenal of Ammunition in regards to the fact that I'm not blowing uh, obstacles up anymore. I'm using some sort of item that's in my inventory or, you know, that's been prepared in order to overcome. Uh, yeah, right. I imagine this is an environmental target. So, yep. okay. 
So I'm going to be using gadgets for this. And um, yeah, so this is going to be 3d8. So all right. So my min die plus my max die comes to seven total. Okay, uh, so that is a success with a minor twist. Okay. So using the data that Epimethea gave you and uh, these new hard expanding bullets, you're basically able to like show, create more pillar, like uh, reinforce the various pillars that are holding up fear. Uh -huh. And it's and you like you see that uh, like as you're doing this, the readout in your display like shows you the areas of highest stress. And that gives you the like area where you can more effectively work with. This is um, so cool. So as you're doing that, however, there's one that's sort of like on the edge of the pier and you start sort of shoring it up. And then all of a sudden you like feel like you hear movement on top of the pier and you look up and there's just this like amount of slime that was sort of now slowly coming over the overhang of the pier. And you realize far too late that as it's going over, it's going to go over and you're right underneath it. Oh no. Um, and, uh, I try yeah. to run. You try to run, but uh, you're just not quite fast enough as you get bodied by this gigantic amount of slime. Oh, I am so glad that I sealed up my helmet tight. And uh, what was in your max die? What was your max die for that? My max die was a four. All right, so take a minus two penalty as you have been slimed. I'm in slimed! <laughs> you got that Nickelodeon gack experience. Oh, okay. All right, and uh, who are you passing to? Um, well, uh, I suppose I will pass to... Is Sation a... Per or, sorry, is Gene a person I can pass to in this scene? Um, John, like, how do, like, limited heroes work in a capacity? Do they get their own thing, or do they just act on the environment's turn? Uh, they get their own thing. Okay, yeah, so you can pass to Gene. Okay, um, I will wait on that, and I will pass to Mr. Medium. Okay. All right, okay. Mr. Medium, what are you uh, doing? Mr. Medium is going to use Overcome to try to save through the land. All right. Okay. Um, three. I'm going to use... I don't really have a principle that applies here. Don't you have, like, principle of the mask or principle of the team? I, what is, I guess I use principle of the team. Yeah, be a be a be a a nice photo in a magazine somewhere. Yeah, uh, and that is a four. All right, so that is still a success with a minor twist. Um, yeah. So Mr. Medium is going to. So what? Uh, what embarrassment did you cause as a representative of your team? <laughs> if you if you don't mind. Um, Torch is coming it. through! I got you! He just starts picking up people with no regard for their like personal space and is like <laughs> now like running through the crowd, running at running to safety with them, like holding them very like awkwardly. Like they're like there's yeah. like a lady who somehow flips upside down during it. There's like some guy's grandpa who's like shaking violently. But Mr. Medium is like like leaping back like over and over, like not really paying yeah. much attention. And then just like what drops them and says no need to thank me, citizen! And then jump back <laughs> in. Yeah. This, oh. this would effectively be kidnapping if it wasn't for the fact that you're, like, constantly putting them down and going back again. Well, and also, I'm sure they're very, like... Like, I'm not, like, trying to be safe or, like, yeah. trying at all to be, like... I'm, I'm just essentially, like, manhandling these people without their permission and then throwing yeah. them outside of the, the area of effect. <laughs> so, yeah, Mr. Medium is uh, running wild on uh, these people. <laughs> Yes. All right. Uh, and who are you passing to? Mm. I'll pass to. Should we save Gene to. Now nah, I'll pass to Gene. All right. Uh, so you pass to Gene, and what Gene's going to do on this uh, turn is to try and. Like, he's going to try and save civilians by effectively guiding Mr. Medium towards the most vulnerable ones because he realizes oh, he doesn't actually, like, understand how triage in this situation works. Mr. Medium knows that as long as they're not in the area <laughs> They can't can be in wrong. danger if they're not in the danger zone. Yeah. Alright, so he's gonna use telepathy and uh, insight and that. Uh, roll for that. 
Ooh. Uh, and unfortunately, Gene rolled a three. Oops. So he uh -oh. is trying. So because he can't like send out uh, Kiai as far as he can, he's kind of limited to trying to do it like while Mr. Medium is close. And unfortunately, Mr. Medium is running so wild that he doesn't really stop long enough for Gene to like be able to pass on the message. Mm. So you can just so for those of you that can see Gene in the crowd, you can see him like trying to get close to Mr. Medium to like let him know. And then Mr. Medium just bolts and he's like, God damn it. And uh, I'm going to say that Gene will pass to uh, Gene is going to pass to the hagfish. Great. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the hagfish is going to use an overcome to eat. Oh, uh, no. Uh, so it is going to use hagfish maw and must feed. Ugh. Creepy. And it's D8 status die. All right. Uh, so that is a six altogether. So the hagfish is like slithering, like moving around on top of the dock. And the way that it's kind of getting at the food in the various carts is it's kind of slamming into it and sort of munching on whatever, you know, bits kind of fall out. Because it's been doing this, there's basically this like ton of cooking oil and grease that has kind of like started to sort of pool on top of certain areas of the slime. And uh, when it manages to knock one of them over, it actually sends like, like this little tiny cart flying through the air and it lands on top of a propane tank and explodes. <laughs> causing all of the accumulated grease to ignite. So everything's on fire. Well, there is there are a couple of small fires that are around uh, that will probably need to be dealt with. So, uh, insanity. <laughs> yep. Flaming hagfish slime. God. So yeah, there are now some f scattered fires about from like the various plant things. So far, they don't look like they're so bad, but obviously, if you don't do anything about them, they're gonna be a problem. And uh, the hagfish is gonna pass to the environment. And environment, let me just tick up the environment tracker. And what does the environment do on its turn? All right, so the environment is going to uh, create another challenge. Uh, panic at the Fiesta. It turns out a, like, explosion. Not exactly something that's really reassuring to all the people left on the dock. And now people are starting to get anxious. Uh, it is basically means that for any uh, attempt to save civilians is being made with a minus two penalty uh, unless you basically defeat the thing to, to calm everyone down. Well, by defeat the thing, you mean overcome. turn off panic. Yes. Okay. So you make an overcome to calm the crowd down. Otherwise, any attempts to save the civilians are made at a minus two penalty. Okay. All right. And the environment will now pass to the Pelicanetic. Great. Okay. This is uh, actually worked out pretty well um, because Evelyn is a natural leader and uh, has both powers and qualities that make her very good at calming people down in a crisis. Nice. Um, so she has flown into this situation and is kind of like watching from the skies. And then she sees that, you know, Mr. Medium is doing his best and Gene is doing his best to try and get people off the pier. Uh, but like they're not complying they're making things difficult they're upset and so she's going to try and do the stereotypical flying superhero entrance where she's going to like ramp up her bird aura so she's glowing a little bit and then spread her wings really uh really wide and swoop down over the people uh and with uh trying to amplify her voice as much as possible, uh, say some reassuring words. Um, and I, I think I'll roll first, and then based on the results of that, I'll decide how reassuring those words actually are. Okay. And we're still in green. Yes. Cool. Great, so she's gonna use her aura power and her leadership quality. Uh, Mid-die is a five. All right, so that is still a success, but with a minor twist. Okay. Um, all right, so I guess, uh, yeah, Evelyn's going to swoop down and with a big booming voice say, uh, citizens, please, uh, we are Torch, we are here to, to help you. Uh, please form an orderly line on this side of the pier. Uh, in the unlikely event that the pier should collapse, uh, please try and stay together and we'll get you to shore as quickly as possible. All right. Uh, so 
because of the booming nature of the voice, the crowd does kind of calm down and move off to the side. So uh, sort of like form up in an orderly-ish queue. Um, the minor twist, however, is that uh, you are so loud uh, that you notice that the hagfish turns and looks in your guys' direction. Oh, oh dang! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All right. Whoa. I guess I'll take care of that next turn. All right. So, uh, start of a new round. Who do you pass to? Who boy? Um, hmm. Does anyone have any uh, anything they're itching to do? Uh, no. But I'll probably deal with Mr. Medium. Can deal with the panic. Well, the panic is dealt with. The panic's dealt with. Oh, sorry. You've dealt with the panic. Sorry. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you got. Uh, you still got the pier. You still got one in the pier collapsing, and the fires are now starting. Yeah, pure collapsing. I think would be a good one to take care of. Does anyone want to want to grab that? That sounds like a Carsonon job. Mm. Okay, cool. Uh, Carsonon, you go right ahead. All right. Okay, so uh, more stuff regarding the collapsing pier. Yep. Okay, so um, yeah, I'm just gonna just yeah try to get out of this slime that I'm covered in, and yeah, just making sure that my uh, the barrel of my gun isn't obstructed before uh, leveling it at the pier, and just trying more of these concrete hardening bullets, uh, just trying to, you know, get the slime out of my visor. Yeah, I will say, uh, for the reference sake, the consistency of the slime is kind of like very thick mud. Have you ever, like, walked through that or fallen into that? Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a hamper. That's but it's truth. sticky. <laughs> Ew. Okay, so I'm going to use one of my bonuses to nullify the penalty. So okay. I'm just rolling straight for this. Uh... Okay, I got the exact same result as before, uh, four and a three for a seven total. Okay, so uh, you basically shore up the last, uh, the you goo up, for lack of a better word, the last of the various sort of structures. Great. And you think that you've managed to finally get it to the point where even if you put a lot more weight on this thing, it's probably not going to go anywhere. Okay, like, that's you, you have gooed the hell out of this thing, as good, it were. Good, good, okay. Um, so I'm waiting for a minor twist on this. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what would be a good one because I can't just, I don't want to just slime you again. Mm, uh, I don't want you the to slime, slime might me be either. on fire now. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm going to say uh, that. So after Joey, you do this, why? You, sort of, you <laughs> grapple up to the thing and you see that all some of the slime is on fire and you're like, oh, thank God that's not me. And then it catches. Uh, you managed to put it out pretty quickly because you can kind of just slap at the slime. But I'm going to say you're going to take... Uh, your mid-die was a three, right? Yeah. Uh, you take three damage from, like, various singings. Ow! Shit! Ow! 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 So, yeah, I'm just slapping it out as quickly as I can, but uh, I still get a little toasted. Yep. And uh, who are you passing to? Okay. Um, and who is remaining for this round? Uh, it is Everybody. free reign. Okay, excellent. In that case, I'm going to pass to Epimethea. Okay. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at listentothesenerds.tumblr.com or on Twitter at LTTNCast. All our music is sourced from incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listentothesenerds at gmail.com. 